Well, we're going to begin a stu- part of the study of uh, Matthew 24 that I've been wanting to get to. And uh, I may share the next couple lessons also and just set this forth among us. And Brother uh, Jimmy, uh, Brother James, and Brother Bob really did phenomenal jobs of laying forth part of this uh, uh, message or teaching we've been in. I mean, they, you guys came in and really did a phenomenal job, each one of you. I mean, uh, and, and in this teaching, I mean, Brother Dale's done a phenomenal job in what he shared. But Brother Jimmy really hit the uh, the nail on the head of where I'm going. Now I hadn't been there yet, Jimmy, but I was going there. And you and you said that I probably have already covered it. <laughs> and uh, it's it's dealing with heaven and earth is uh, is where the Lord, you, you know, a kind of some of the meat and potatoes in this uh, understanding of Matthew 24. Uh, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. And I'm, and I'm going to do it a little bit, maybe backwards tonight, as they say, and let the cat out of the bag, the old saying of what this means, heaven and earth shall pass away, what I believe it means. And, uh, you know, you can look at it, you can think upon it, you can see if what's being said is so, consider it. And we're going to take you through some scriptures. Uh, the booklet or part of the book that I wrote, the chapter on heaven and earth, I highly recommend that we all read that. Uh, I believe the Lord just really showed me some things there uh, in, in, through the years in regards to Canaan and what Canaan represented. Now, that's probably what I'll get into tonight or in the next uh, uh, couple lessons on this is really Canaan, what it represented. But heaven and earth shall pass away, and my, but my word shall not. What I see here is that the old administration went away. That was the old heaven and old earth there. The administration of the law, it was rolled up like a scroll. And where this was made so clear to me is in Hebrews 12 and the book of Revelation chapter 4 and 5. And one day I was ministering in Hebrews 12, and it just come out like a shotgun blast or lightning, however you want to phrase it, that the spirits of just men made perfect. We've come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. To God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. That came off, that portion of that came off like a shotgun blast. The 
the spirits of just men made perfect. And, and while that just sounded so powerful, was it said, God, the judge of all. Okay. Because typically when we've, especially if we've come through uh, Pentecostal teaching, uh, what we understood as Pentecost, we always looked at judgment or much, much of the time we looked at judgment as something negative. Something that was negative going to happen. God's going to judge you. Okay. And that was a negative thing. But the judgment in Hebrews 12 is unto righteousness. See, there's a judgment there in Hebrews 12. God is the judge of all. But the judgment there in Hebrews 12 is not unto condemnation, but it's unto righteousness. And see, to me, that's a new heaven. Because the judgment under the old covenant was a judgment under condemnation. Okay? The old heaven and old earth, the administration of the law, was a judgment unto condemnation. But here in the new covenant, Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, is a judgment of righteousness. It's a new heaven and new earth. And see, see, see if, if people could hear that, it, I, I believe it would change lives. Because in the old you have condemnation, people walking according to the law and uh, their self-effort. And in their self-effort, they can never fulfill, even when they want to, the things of God. Never fulfill. But here in Christ, what we couldn't fulfill in ourselves, God has given to us freely. And the way we possess this is knowing him. That's how we come to possess and what God has given us is knowing him. We can't possess it any other way. We can read it in the scripture. And we can say it's true because the scripture says so. But our hearts know whether we possessed what the scripture says or not. That's who really knows is our hearts. Now, it's given to us in Christ. We could say it's bestowed upon us. We have it. But the question is, have we possessed it? And the possessing of it is through the knowing of him. That's, this is life eternal that you might know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. So it's through knowing. Him. It's not through knowledge per se. You know, we can have all the knowledge of the word and still not walk in a heart filled with righteousness. Knowing you're righteous, because that's knowing a person, the person of Jesus Christ. And so as we look at the new heaven and the new earth, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not. The other, the other scripture that really 
ministered to me in this is if you look in Revelations 4 and 5, and we'll probably review these same scriptures as we go along. And for you all that has just joined, I said, I'm kind of going to release it here, and then we'll go back through a number of scriptures and build back to what I'm saying tonight. And it'll probably take us two, three, four uh, sessions or teachings, messages to get here. But I want it to be imparted to you. I don't want it just to be something you've heard. I want you to see it. In Revelation 4 and 5, see, in, in chapter 5 in particular, I turn there, Revelation chapter 5. See, this is, this is a new heaven, Revelation 5. And I, and I get so excited with this because in Isaiah, God said, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. And when I look at Revelation 5, it says, And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within, and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, have prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth unto all the earth. And he came and he took the book out of the right hand of him that sat on the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and 20 elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song. See, here's a new song, a new heaven, new earth. They're singing a new song. Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou was slain and has redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and has made us under God's kings and priests or a kingdom of priests, one translation says. And we shall reign on the earth. Now, that's powerful. A new heaven and a new earth. What made it new? The Lord says, behold, I make all things new. Christ in the throne. Now, what do I mean by that? In Isaiah, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Well, if I look at heaven as a throne, as the dominion of God, and I consider that, and I go to the Old Testament, the word or government of the throne was the law of Moses. Okay. That was the government of the throne of God. That was his dominion. That's what Israel lived under. And Lord willing, maybe Tuesday night, we'll really get into that piece in detail, either Tuesday or next Sunday night, one. But heaven is my throne. The earth is my footstool. 
Okay. I'm going to repeat that because God said that in my heart so many times. One time I uh, just over and over again, he kept saying this to me, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. One day I heard what he was saying, even though I heard him saying this, I never understood what he meant. And one day I heard it and saw it. The throne of God, the dominion of God, has in it now a lamb that had been slain. That's what changed in heaven and earth, is the Lamb. Behold, I make all things new. Now, if I flip back to Hebrews 12, which I talked about a while ago, I quoted this. Flip back here for a minute. Hebrews 12. Verse 22 says, But you are come unto Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. So you've come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, and to an innumerable company of angels. Read that again. You have come. Not coming, not marching, not going to get there, but you've come there. And there in Revelation was a innumerable host of angels as well, a heavenly host. You could call angelic beings heavenly host, right? We could say that. So we've come to Mount Zion and to an innumerable company of angels. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all. And, and here's, here's what I want you to see. To God, the judge. Heaven is my throne. The judge sits on the throne. How many have you ever thought of God as the judge sitting on the throne? We all have, probably, everyone in this meeting. But like I said early in the meeting, much of the time when we think of God as the judge, we think of that in a negative way. God's going to judge you. And I want to say, I hope he does. <laughs> I want to be judged by God. Okay? Now you say, are you crazy? No, no, I'm not. Because how God judges me is through the lamb in the throne. Now that's changed from the old covenant. Okay. That's the change. That's a new heaven and a new earth. God never judged in the lamb and the throne in the old covenant. Did he? No. No, he judged by the blood of animals that could never take away sin. 
He judged by a covenant that can never make you one with him. He judged through that type and shadow that was ordained of him, spoken of him, set up in the earth till Christ came. But now that Christ comes, the judgment of the Lord to the saints is through the Lamb. Now that's the lens of judgment. And this next part of this verse really tells us this, if we can see it, to the spirits of just men made perfect. In the old covenant, none was made perfect. Romans 3 tells us that all were found guilty by the law. Okay? But here in this throne, here in this place, God judges you perfect in Christ. Now, this is a great place to be, the heavenly Jerusalem, where the spirits of just men are made perfect, and Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant, because what he's mediating is what he's done. And he's mediating it not from the outside, not outside of us, but he's mediating it from the inside. So he's changing the inward part of us because the mediation is going on inside of you according to what he's done. Changing your mind. Changing your understanding. From the understanding of the old to the understanding of Christ. Now, honey, that is a new heaven and new earth. That we walk in what Christ has done. That is glory to me. Some people may think, well, Brother Wayne, you're, you're, you've plumb off your rocker. And I'll say, well, if I am, I'm very happy. Leave me alone. Because God has ministered peace and joy into my heart like a river. And the, and the ministry of this peace and joy that he's ministered in me is the person of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. So I'm persuaded that this is dwelling in Christ is the most glorious place you can be. And the beauty of the Lord is we have this in earthen vessels. That's the beauty of the Lord. That's, that's even in the mystery of God that a people with all chaos going on, if you look in the world, that a people can sit in the midst of the world in chaos. And we think, oh, it's never been this bad before. And I want to say, really, has it not? Have you read of Sodom and Gomorrah? Have you read uh, of, of Israel being carried into captivity? Have you read of Nebuchadnezzar? It's been pretty bad, folks. And Paul, I, I just get amazed with the Apostle Paul in his, in his writings. He says, looking unto Jesus. He's not looking unto everything going on in his midst there. He's looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of his faith. 
and he's teaching a people to live there in the midst of chaos, to be the light of the world. Yes. What does light do? Dispels darkness. You don't fight darkness with darkness. You overcome darkness with light, with truth, with understanding. See, see, the church is going to fight with darkness. You know that? I've been around church folks, and they've wanted to combat darkness by warfare. I'm going to go fight with them. No, go there in love and charity and humility in light and knowledge and revelation of Christ. I want to tell a little bit of a story. I, I, I was riding with a guy one time. And uh, in the course of the conversation, he uh, told me he wasn't sure what his feelings about God really was, that he went to church and all. But he didn't know uh, really if there was a God or he didn't say he was fully atheist, anything like that, but he was questioning everything. And we got on to the days of creation, just a little simple thing. And I said to him, and you know, because he was talking about the natural creation had to take in God more than seven natural days. And I said to the man, I said, well, how did he measure the first day? Because he hadn't hung the sun and moon at that point. Genesis 1. You ever thought about that? He never hung the sun and moon to measure days until day four. And I believe I talked to him about the Logos and the thought, mind, will, and purpose of God being in the Logos from the beginning, that all the mind, will, and God was there in Christ and came forth in the person of Jesus Christ into the earth and was manifest. Light came. Understanding came of purpose, of everything that God had ever purposed. And see, what we are to bring into situations is light, is understanding of what God has purposed, because we are light. That's what Paul said we are. He is light. Now, we are light in the Lord. See, see there's something powerful in the book of John. If you, if you hear of John the Baptist, it says John declares that he was not that light, but came to bear witness of that light. But then the Apostle Paul says, now you are light. You were darkness. You've been transformed. You've been changed. How, how's that happened? Again, I've told you already tonight, behold, I make all things new. Because the light resides in you. That's how. The light himself. And John says, as he is, so are we. So we're his body and he's light. 
So then his body should also be light, right? Sure. Pretty simple if you think about it. We're the body of him. The expression of him. In the earth. What stops us from expressing him? Understanding. Understanding. Not knowing the truth. Can be disobedient, but a lot of times it's not knowing the truth. So God is light. We are children of the light. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Now that's new. See, if you if we hear that, you were darkness. <laughs> you were darkness, Paul writes. Now are you? Light in the Lord. That's new. That's a new heaven and earth. You weren't, you weren't light till he come. That was the light. You couldn't be made light. You couldn't be made the understanding of God in your own self-efforts. It couldn't happen. It come in the person of Christ. Now it has come to be made known in you, to be manifest out of you. That's why it's known in you, to flow out. Out of you shall flow rivers of living water. It's the water of life, the water of him, who is the source of life, who is the life, flowing out of us into the earth. Glory to the Lamb of God. So here in Hebrews is this great transition. You've not come to Mount Sinai, but you've come to Mount Zion, to an innumerable company of angels, to the spirits of just men made perfect. How did they get perfect? Did they keep the letter of the law? No, they were made perfect in the person of Jesus Christ through the blood of the Lamb. The Lamb in the throne. So now the vision of the throne is the resurrected Lamb of God. So who has the Son has life in this covenant, in this relationship? You have life if you have Christ. You may not know the life you have, but you have life. And he that is our life desires to be manifested out of us, to rule in us. See, in Genesis, just briefly, flip back to Genesis 1. And there's something very, very powerfully said here. Genesis 1 says, let me find it here. I believe it's in day four. I want to see. Verse 14, and God said, let there be lights in the firmament of heaven to divide the day from the night. So what divides day from night? Light. 
and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years, and let them be for lights in the firmament of heaven to give light upon the earth, and it was so. So the heavens lighted the earth. God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw the light that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning a fourth day. Now I wrote, now above, we can see the natural heavens are the work of God's hands. In Genesis, we can and should read the creation story. God created the heaven and the earth, the heavens and the earth. He put the great lights in the heavens to give light upon the earth. The earth's light comes from heaven. Without the light of heaven, there would be no light on the earth. This is a study which speaks of Christ and man. Without the light of Christ, man is in darkness. Now, the natural creation receives its light by the natural heaven. This order is displayed throughout all of God's creation. Throughout all of creation, light dispels the darkness. And God placed the light in the heavens to light the earth. Now, this to me speaks of Christ and man. When I read Genesis 1, when I look at the creation story, there's light shining on the earth. Now the earth is transformed into that light. So, so now everything in earth is clearly seen through the light. Without the light, it's not clearly seen. And you have this light, the lesser light, which ruled the night, the shadow, which I believe speaks of the law, was a lesser light. And it ruled the night. It was a shadow. You know, have you ever walked around at night? And you can see by the light of the moon, but you can't see clearly. You can't see it. You can't make out everything clearly. But when that sunlight comes, what happens? You can see clearly. That is speaking of Christ. And the light rules. So when Christ comes into our heart, you know there's things inside of you that have completely changed? Completely. Your way of thinking, there's parts of it that has completely changed. It's not just because you've gotten smarter. You may have gotten smarter. Sure you have. But it's because light rules. The light and understanding changes the way you think. The light and understanding of him. So when the light of him comes into your heart, it rules, it changes, it removes 
cloudy, obscure understanding. Understanding God by what was cloudy and obscure. Many Christians, unfortunately, understand God by what's cloudy and obscure, but the light will remove it and transform the heart into what the light is. Just like Hebrews 12, the spirits of just men made perfect, a judgment unto perfection. He shall bring judgment unto what? Victory, the prophet said. So the judgment of the Lord to us, is not a gloomy doomsday judgment. The judgment of the Lord to us is as he is, so are we. Now that's a good judgment. God is the judge of all. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. So we're made white. We've washed our robes in the blood of the Lamb. We're cleansed by him, and we're made pure in him. See, see, the beauty of the Lord is he doesn't just wash our robes, and then we have this separated life with God. This is the other part we're going to get into in this part of the study. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not. And, and in Isaiah, Brother Jimmy pro probably tell us after I finish right where that scripture's at, heaven and earth passing away, rolling up as a scroll, being removed as a scroll, the scroll of the law, being removed. But Jesus said, my words won't pass away. My words shall not, because he's speaking the eternal covenant in the earth. If we can hear this, when he says, Father, that they may be one as we are one. I am them, thou and me, that they be made perfect in one. This is eternal in God. This is eternally declared. That they may be one as we are one. That's how he considers you. That's the love of God. We, we think the love of God is just this mushy kind of thing. No, 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 no. The love of God has substance. That you may be one as we are one. That I'm going to transform your soul, your mind, your heart. I'm not going to leave you like you were. I put you in myself, and I'm going to bring what I am alive in you. That's God's love. That's God's love. It's not this idea of, well, God just permits us to live any way we want to. He loves us. No, it's greater than that, honey. It is a love that changes our very being, changes our very core, our minds, our hearts. Yes, that's the love of God. And we need that love to be one with him. Now, this is, to me, a new heaven and new earth, because in the old one, they couldn't be one. They were separated by the veil from the carnal understanding, the natural man, the veil of flesh. You're not separated by a veil of flesh, because Jesus became 
the veil of flesh, himself, God himself robed himself in man and died to take away the flesh, to take away the stony heart, all the different descriptions of man, to take away the reproach, to take away our inabilities and fill us with his ability. And again, I'm going to say this is a new heaven and new earth. Because now what God has done himself is alive in a people. See, he's the word of this covenant. Christ himself is the word of covenant. So if you want to understand the covenant, the new covenant, you have to understand him. As he is, so are you. They may be one. See, see, John really is writing what Jesus said. Do, do we get this? Jesus said that they may be one as we are one. Apostle John says, as he is, so are we. Jesus said that. Does that really surprise us? No. Shouldn't. Because now what Jesus said is coming into manifestation in the earth. Why is it coming into manifestation? Because he that said it is in you. <laughs> he that declared it, he that can work it, he that hath all power and all authority is in you to cause it to be. So what do you do? You know him. You set your affections on things above where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. You set your heart to knowing him. That's what Jesus told them to do. When they said, what do we do? Believe on me. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. Partake of me. Well, surely I got to do more than that. No, you don't. He's enough. So if I partake of him, out of me is going to come living water. If I feast on the Lord, out of me is going to come what he is. So, so it's not per se the doing of the law, it's the knowing of Christ. And it's coming out of relationship. Are you going to manifest holiness? Absolutely, because he's holy. Are you going to manifest righteousness? Absolutely, because he is righteous. Because he makes us what he is. He's the potter. You ever, you ever read that? You ever sung songs about God being the potter? We sing the song, used to sing the song, he's still working on me to make me all I ought to be. Well, all I ought to be is what he is. <laughs> and how he's working on me is he's in me, revealing himself to me that I might know him and be what he is, my be, my being, what he is in the earth. And to me, that's just a brand new, glorious place to be. Well, like I said, I kind of started from maybe the end of where I was going with this, and we'll come through it in the next few teachings I do on it and catch it up.
So I'll stop right here. God bless you. I love you. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers. Blessings to you all. And I will start with uh, Brother Jimmy Lewis.